All right, everybody. It's New Year's, right? It's first Sabbath of the New Year. I was trying to fly under the radar, but like Lorraine said, uh, I made a mistake in telling her that it's been two years. Uh, it's technically the ninth. January 9th will officially, like, literally be two years, but if you adjust for the years changing and stuff, you know, and that's how you get that the first Sabbath was the first, uh, two years ago was our first Sabbath here, and uh, it has flown by. Uh, guys, I, around this time, maybe you don't, maybe you do uh, make New Year's resolutions. I do, right? I try to, some people, some people, like, really hate the idea of them, like, Somebody will say, hey, I'm, I made a New Year's resolution to hear them in the back. Boo! Well, I make them, and I know some of you make them. And this is that time of year, right? People, they decide to say, uh, hey, this is the year I'm going to get, I don't know, my finances in order. Or this is the year that uh, I'm going to exercise more or I'm going to eat healthier. Uh, some people say I'm going to read more. That's like some of, the, some of these are the real common ones. I'm going to read so many books this year, or I'm going to read my Bible more, or one that a lot of people say they want to do and then don't do, and they're like two ends of the spectrum is I want to wake up earlier or I want to uh, sleep more, right? Like all of 2022, I didn't sleep. Somebody was nodding their head. Yeah, it's like, I need to sleep. Don't sleep now. Sleep after. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we make goals for ourselves. If you don't do New Year's resolutions, then I have to imagine at some point in your life, you have made a goal. Uh, and maybe you've made goals that you've seen all the way through and you feel a sense of pride in yourself. But maybe, like most people, you make a goal, it's well-intentioned, and then somewhere along the line, you just kind of fall off. Uh, my, uh, the deans that I used to work for at Andrews, they had a saying that the wheels have fallen off. And when the wheels fall off, you can't go anywhere, right? You have given up or you've done something that's made it impossible. Some of you said, oh, I want to wake up earlier, but you've already hit snooze. Say, hey, I want to eat healthier, but you started eating healthier and you're like, this doesn't taste so good. Uh, or you said, hey, I want to work out more and you're still sore from the first workout that was seven days ago. And you say, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore. Or you say, hey, I'm going to read more, but there's no time in the day to actually sit down and read. Or maybe you say that you want to sleep more, but uh, you looked at your watch the other day and it was two in the morning and you were still up and you had to be at work at six. We do these things all the time. Why do we do that? Because the road to reaching our goals can be long and bumpy. They're challenging, right? Life gets in the way. Things happen. Uh, the goal that you thought was going to be easy ends up being so annoying, and it makes things seemingly harder that you say, well, you know, I, forget it. I'd rather do the thing that I'm comfortable with than do the thing that makes me uncomfortable, even though it might be better for you. Uh, just a side thing. I heard somebody say one time, uh, and it was about... Um, it was about, like, your health, and they said, hey, uh, being unhealthy is hard, right? You got to go to the doctor. You don't feel well. That's hard. Remaining healthy, exercising, that's hard. You just got to pick your heart, right? And so, uh, but sometimes it's better just the hard that we know than the hard that we don't know. As a church, we are one body. We make 
goals as a body of believers. And sometimes those goals, you see them all the way through as a body of believers, and sometimes we fall short. And so, since this is readily in my mind, uh, I wanted to explore uh, some Bible characters uh, that will teach us about goal setting. So, the five that I've chosen this morning are uh, Abraham, Nehemiah, Jacob, Moses, and Elijah. In their stories, I think they each have like one big takeaway of what it means to like set a goal and see it all the way through. And what better way to get our uh, advice than from the Bible? And so if you will, uh, this story uh, will come to us from Genesis 24. We're going to start with Abraham. And while you're flipping there, we'll give you some context. God has already made a promise to Abraham that says, hey, your descendants are going to just number, like outnumber the sand and the stars, and, and you're going to be the father of many nations. And, and that covenant between God and Abraham has been set. And so in that is an implicit promise that I will take care of you and everything's going to be fine. And in that, Abraham decides, well, listen, it doesn't mean that, like, I'm going to live forever, but, like, my legacy will live on forever. So it's very important to him that his son is set up well, right? Set up well in the sense of uh, it wasn't great uh, for uh, his son to marry within the people, you know, that they were around. Abraham wanted his son to be married in the people of their ancestors, his people. And that's very important. And so in Genesis 24, uh, verse 3, hold on, I know how to count. Where did 3 go? There it is. <laughs> verse 3, it says, and this is Abraham speaking to one of his servants. He says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among who I am living but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. That servant asked him, what if the woman, uh, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord the God of heaven who brought me out of my father's household into my, uh, and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me an oath saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you'll be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. Abraham, and this is the first thing, uh, uh, the first thing that we should learn about setting goals for ourselves, godly goals, as you saw in the bulletin, that's the name of the sermon, godly goals, is that we should have a clear goal, right? Very understandable. You know exactly what you're looking for. Abraham set out with a clear goal. You see, 
wouldn't it have been easier to just marry the Canaanites? There were so many of them there. They're already here. God said, I'm going to give you this land. So you could probably have finessed that to say, well, if God gave me this land, then I'm going to settle here. That would have been the easier thing to do. But Abraham had a clear goal. And that clear goal was inspired by the promise of God that you will inherit this land and that you will be the father of many nations, that that nation starts with him and should be the way it should be. Very clear goal. Wouldn't have been easier then to say, okay, well, let's just move Jacob. Let's move him where uh, he needs to be. Let's move him there where the people are, because then that makes things so much simpler. No, because there was a clear promise from God and a clear goal from Abraham. This is the land you will inherit. So literally, even if you can't find the wife, don't move him. Keep him here. I know what I want. God made a promise, and Abraham had a goal. And with a clear mission and the blessing of God, and that is key, the blessing of God, because what did Abraham say? An angel will go ahead of you and make it possible. So with the blessing of God, all things are possible. So with a clear mission and the blessing of God, the servant was successful. If you've never read this story, I'm spoiling the end for you. But the servant is successful and brings home a beautiful wife for Abraham's son. And the promise was kept By understanding specifically what it is that you want to achieve, this is just practical advice, you are more likely to succeed if you know exactly what you want. If it's too vague, if it's too vague of a goal, you probably won't even know that it's been accomplished. For example, instead of saying, I want to read my Bible more this year, is vague. How do you quantify that? We should be saying things like, I want to read 15 chapters every week. That is easily measurable. It is clear. It is a clear goal. Instead of saying, hey, I want to be healthier, you should say something like, I want to walk three miles in less than an hour by the end of this first quarter. When we have a clear goal, measurable goal, like Abraham, informed by the promise of God in his life, you are more likely to succeed. I want to talk about Nehemiah next. Nehemiah also had a clear goal. You see, the people had been living in exile, but the time came for them to go back home. Amen. And so, Nehemiah, with a clear goal now has a plan. Nehemiah, on getting permission, returns to Jerusalem already with a plan in place to rebuild the wall that had been broken. He made sure in his plan that he had a letter from King Artaxerxes, which ensured his safety on the journey back, but also would have provided building materials to make the goal possible. See, he obtained firsthand information on where the wall was broken, how badly it was broken, what the damage was, what they needed to do, and then gathered a large team and divided the work among them. This was a very quantifiable They had a clear goal, and then they had a plan, and they executed that plan. In the end, the planning paid off. And the work was done. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Can you believe that? 
How hard, I mean, if you guys have ever done construction, you know that that's impossible almost. But with a clear goal, with the blessing of God, and with a plan in place, all things are possible. 52 days to finish them. I'm from Orlando. I grew up in Orlando. It felt like it took them 52 years just to finish I-4. They did not have the blessing of God on that one. But with a clear goal, with a plan, with the blessing of God, the plans happen. Having a plan is like having a map. Would you agree? You know exactly where you need to go, who needs to be involved. You are moving towards the goal with your map in place. Let me ask you this. Could Nehemiah have gone into this building project without a plan and rebuilt the wall eventually? Well, I think yes. I mean, eventually, they would have finished it. But trust me, and if you guys, like, all of you who work with other people, like project leaders, teachers, pastors, if you go into something without a plan, yeah, you'll stumble to the end eventually, right? But man, you look back on it and you'll say to yourself, man, I wish we would have, I wish we would have had a map. I wish I would have been step by step by step. It would have been easier. People would have been less frustrated. You, you know, the burnout would have been less because there was a plan. So could they have finished the wall? Probably because they had the blessing of God to do it. They could have probably finished it, but it would have taken so much longer. It would have taken longer and wasted resources, absolutely. But with God, with a plan, with a clear goal, nothing was wasted. And the wall was built. And the story of Nehemiah is just a beautiful story because then what happened is, after so long being in exile, they come back and they open up the word of God, the law, and the people kind of like lose their minds at how beautiful it is because they've been living with different kind of law and they realize the beauty of the law Guys, that's a good story. Nehemiah is great. So we've looked at having a clear goal. Now we've looked at having a plan. Now let's go and we'll talk about uh, Jacob. Jacob also looking for a wife, looking for that life that was promised to him. And so Jacob, uh, he falls in love with Rachel. And he, like, you know, one of those love at first sight things. And he loves her, and, and, and he works out this thing with her father. Hey, I'm going to work for you for seven years, and then uh, I will be allowed to marry your daughter. Laban's like, okay, cool. And this man begins to work tirelessly day in and day out for seven years. I don't, and this is just me being transparent, sometimes I'll make goals, I don't last seven months, just being honest, right? Because why? You realize that, man, this is hard work, and this was literally back-breaking work, he's in the sun, he's sweating, it's hard, and the whole time he's wishing he could just be married, but he's got to wait. We're talking now about patience, there's a whole bunch of stuff going into this, but he works for seven years, he had a goal, my goal, or his goal is marriage. He had a plan, work for seven years, do what I need to do. And then what happens in the end? If you guys have never read the story, I'm going to spoil it for you again. But if you have read the story, you know what happens. The plan goes awry. The plan gets blown up in his face because he thinks that he's marrying Rachel and his father-in-law, who is uh, dishonest, actually 
he marries the sister Leah. It's not what he wanted to do, wasn't his plan. He had a goal, it was clear, he had a plan, but things still went wrong. Not just having a goal, having a plan, that's not a surety, that's not assurance that your plans will work out exactly the way they're supposed to. There are external forces that will mess things up for you sometimes, right? Sometimes our goals are trivial. They're earthly goals, and things still work against that. But sometimes you have a, like a goal to say, hey, and I've noticed this in people's lives all the time. I've been pastoring for two years now, but before that, I've been involved in Bible studies, and I've been involved in church. I see this every single time somebody decides Hey, I want to get baptized. Hey, I want to study the Bible. Hey, I want to change my life. What happens? Immediately, boom, everything goes wrong. It's just, it it happens too often, too often to be a coincidence. We call that, uh, here in the Adventist tradition, we call that the great controversy, right? The great controversy working against us at all times to pull us away from Christ, these external forces that will deplete your bank account, that will foreclose on your house, right? These external forces that will uh, cause your children to become sick, cause your children to leave your home and you don't see them for years. It'll cause your father, your mother to become alcoholics to whatever, and they hurt people. This external force, right, all the goals you have, its only purpose, and we talked about this like two weeks ago, I can't remember, all the sermons become a blur, but, <laughs> but the only play that the devil has left in our lives is to just disrupt. He's already lost, so, you know, that whole thing where, like, I might as well go down swinging, right? That's what he, that's the only play he has left is to disrupt your life, to disrupt the good things happening in your life. Right? Because the scriptures tell us that all good things come from God. So if that's true, right? If A, then B, then all bad things come from who? The devil. The evil one, right? There are external forces at play, even in your trivial stuff, right? Even if you say, hey, I want to read 50 books this year or something like that, right? Then what happens? Oh, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, you get an extra project at work, and you have to stay at work longer. You can't. Re- there, there's always something. Always going to be something that will try to pull you away from the goals that you have set. I think what helps us out is being cognizant of that. It helps us out in our daily walk with Christ. Knowing that, hey, there is this controversy going around us. There is this external force trying to pull me off of what I know to be true. There's this external force lying to me every day saying, hey, you are nothing but a sinner forever and ever. Look at the things you've done. Look at what you just did. Blah, 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 blah. These external forces meant to disrupt you. If we are cognizant of that, if we go into the new year, and I know that everyone's goal uh, and I hope everyone's goal is always to say, uh, this year I want to be closer to, closer to God, closer to Christ. I want to walk more in line with the Spirit. That's always a good goal to have. It's my goal, right? And if I go into that cognizant of the forces outside of my control that will try to pull me off of the path, 
But I'm also cognizant that, hey, if I had the goal, if I had the plan, but most importantly, if I had the blessing of God, I'll be okay. This is what, this is what uh, Jacob has to do. Yeah, his plan didn't go well, but what did he do? Those of you who read the story, you know. Those of you who don't, spoiler alert, he pivots. He pivots a little bit. He says, okay, fine, let's do a new deal. Seven more years, and I get to marry Rachel. Cool. In this story, the external forces was a dishonest father-in-law. I mean, in, in your case, I mean, it could be, uh, like I said before, it could be finances, right? It could be your family. And what I mean by that is, well, I mean, parents and people in families, you know, families can be hard. Dynamics can be tough. You stand up for something and then it's weird that the people that you love the most and trust the most and they, they put you down. Could be an injury. Let's say, again, going back, I want to walk more and then you sprain your ankle. Things happen. You got to pivot. For me, what that looked like for me uh, in a very like, just uh, going back on the health thing, I got super into uh, CrossFit when I was up at seminary. I decided enough is enough. I need to fit in the clothes that I buy, so let me go do something uh, to exercise. And I started January 2020 with my New Year's resolution. I'm going to do this for a year, and it's going to be great. Guess what happened in March? Closed. And Michigan was not like Florida. Closed for real closed. Right? We were closed to the point where, like, you can only go certain times of the day even to get groceries. It was not like Florida. So then what happened? Well, we had to pivot. Like Jacob, we had to come up with a new plan. We had to do the next best thing, the next right thing. That's what Jacob does. He says, well, my plan went all to the side, but let's do the next best thing. I will submit again to you. I will work again for you that the goal I set before will be seen through. He pivoted. Raquel and I, we started exercising from YouTube. We just started doing home workouts. I hated it, but it was the next best thing. And guess what? I fit into my clothes that year. The year after that, no, I'm just kidding. Let's not tell me. Were his goals crushed? No, Jacob. But he had to pivot. We see this all throughout the scriptures, right? All over. David, anointed king. And then what happens? The like reigning king starts throwing javelins at him, right? He starts to chase him all over the place, trying to kill him. That's a pivot. But was God's promise not seen through? It was. David was king. There's a whole covenant with David. David, right? Jesus comes through the line of David. There are bigger things at play. But sometimes we have to pivot. There are going to be times in our life where we feel like Jacob. We feel like just these external forces are all working against me. Even the people that you feel like you can trust. Mom, dad, brother, sister, cousin, husband, wife, kids, boss. Everyone's working against me. Take it a step further. These are the people, and maybe you're growing up, and, or you have, this is your story. 
Somebody in my family uh, has a version of this story where they decided to take a stand and to believe the Bible. And then what happens? The family support begins to, you know, well, they, they pull back. We'll say, hey, that's cool. Like, I went to school with people like this. I went to school with people like this. They say, hey, my parents are wealthy, but I'm on loans to come to Southern or Andrews. Why? Because I told them, hey, I believe, <laughs> I believe that Jesus Christ loves me. I believe that the seventh day is the Sabbath and those kind of things. And parents said, that's cool, but we're not going to fund your delusion. There are external forces at play. Maybe that's your story, that the people you love the most, then when you made a goal, you made a plan, and you wanted to see through, hey, I want to live a new life, a good life, and then the support went away, and the, felt like the love went away, and you are now the outcast, and hey, you're in good company. What did you have, and, and what did you have to do? You pivoted. You pivoted, and listen, God has a promise over your life. You're here today, and you're okay. It was hard, but it's okay. And maybe you're in the middle of that right now where you're saying, listen, I've been trying to do the right thing for a long time. Listen, I want to live my life for God or, or whatever your goal is. And you are currently in that mess, the separation, the, 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 the abandonment, the, the external forces are at play in your life. Listen, you are going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Hey, look to your left, look to your right. You got a whole group of people here. We're going to get to that point, but you got a whole group of people here who will help you, who will support you, who will love you. Listen, and I know this is some people's story, and it might be extreme for the majority of people here, but I got to speak to everybody. Listen, if mom and dad don't love you anymore, well, we love you right? If your spouse doesn't love you anymore, hey, we love you, right? If the bills are not getting paid, listen, we love you. We will do what we can to help you because that's what a body of believers do. If you don't know what the next move is, hey, I guess I'm getting ahead of my own outline, but like, hey, there are people here who know. There are people here who've been through that, Listen, that's what a body of believers do. The early church, the beginning of Acts, they supported each other. And it was so weird to other people that they looked around and said, this is like a cult or something, like people helping each other. That's crazy. Guys, that's what we're supposed to do. Listen, if you get thrown off the path or your plan has a hiccup in it, you are in great company. We've all had that once or twice. And like I've said, every single time that I have worked with someone or have uh, known somebody or I hear the stories or I've heard, heard your stories, every time somebody says, I want to take a stand for Christ, everything goes crazy. You are in good company. 
By God's grace, we're going to work with you. We're going to get you through that. We're going to let you know. We're going to remind you of the promises of God that you're going to be okay. You pivot, but guess what? The promise will be seen through even if he had to change a thing or two here and there. Next person I want to talk about is our friend Moses. One thing I'm guilty of, uh, <laughs> after last week's sermon, if you guys were here for that, I, uh, some people are like, you are crazy for being that transparent. I don't care. <laughs> I'll be that transparent all the time with you, I promise. Um, I'll be transparent again. One thing I am super guilty of, and when I say this, I know Brother Byron is going to be laughing to himself because he's talked to me so many times about this and done what a good elder is supposed to do and try to work with me. I am guilty of just doing things on my own and not asking anybody for help. Where's Byron? I want to see if he's laughing at me. There he is, yeah. (laughs) I am guilty of that. I do that. And there's a, there's a million reasons why I probably do that, right? If I'm going to sit down and, like, psychoanalyze myself, how does that make you feel, Ben? And I come over here, well, it makes me feel like this. I believe, number one, uh, I probably don't trust people to, like, understand what I'm trying to do. And so I'm like, ah, I'll just do it myself, right? Or uh, I have this deep sense of responsibility to just say, hey, uh, I'll, just, I'll just do it myself. It's my job. I will do it right? Uh, Or uh, in different things like, oh, you've been burned so many times that you're just like, forget it. I'll just do it myself. All of those things are true about me. And the reason I say them is because I know that it's true for somebody out here or somebody online or somebody on the podcast. These things are true. You have felt these things at some point in your life. If you are that kind of person, one of these reasons is probably why. And guess what's also true? I do this, and you do that at your own detriment. It's true. It's true. You do it at your own detriment. If there's, there's this uh, saying, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together, right? And that's true. That is absolutely 100% factually correct. Moses was like this, right? Moses had a clear goal that uh, was attached to a promise of God, right? Go get my people. He had a plan. He had, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to turn the stick into a snake and I'm going to turn the, you know, blood, the, the, the Nile to blood. And I'm going to, hey, we're going to leave. That was the plan, right? Things went a little crazy because the people uh, were I was, just, I was just talking to Fred about this. Like, as you, as you look at the, the history of God's people, when we read it, we can judge and be like, what are you doing? Just listen to God. But hey, like, <laughs> that's been true of God's people throughout the entire Bible. Spoiler alert. It's still the same way today. But, but, uh, <laughs> he had all those things. Things were going a little upside down. And so what happens is then we get to this person. If you're this person, I want to, again, let you know uh, that the Bible speaks to you, too. While in the desert, Moses was the judge for everyone all the time, at all times of the day. Like, he was the only person that issues could go through. What does that do to a person? You can't do anything else. 
You literally can't do anything else because there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people and one person to worry about all of it. So he would see things from the smallest, like, hey, this guy stole my candy bar, to, hey, this guy uh, killed my cattle. And he had to deal with all of that. What that does to a person is something that I call, and again, I'm doing it uh, sometimes. I've gotten better. But I say these things, and I talk about, like, oh, well, that's what I call burnout city. But then I do it. Right? I do it. And you probably do it too. If, if you're this kind of person as well, you say, man, that's crazy. Like, we counsel people on what the right thing is to do. We'll say, hey, Exodus 18, bro. And then the person's like, but are you doing that? And you're like, oh, well, you see what had happened is like, uh, no. Exodus chapter 18. In fact, let me just turn there. Moses' brother, oh, not brother-in-law, his father-in-law shows up. And is talking to Moses and uh, basically has this kind of moment with him. What are you doing? I see, Moses, clearly that you had a goal. I see that you had a plan. And I also see, Moses, clearly that things didn't go exactly the way you thought they would go. Moses, are you getting help from people? Uh, Chapter 18, verse 17 Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be these people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. And so what the father-in-law then proceeds to do is lay out this entire plan of this word that we call delegation. Hey, Moses, you can't do everything. So why don't you put some people in charge of a group of people this big and then another group of people in charge of groups this big and then that big and then this big and then only the really crazy stuff you deal with so that you can do what you're actually supposed to do and represent these people to God instead of just worrying about all this other stuff. The principle to pick up here is, hey, ask for help. Some of your goals are like what we would say like in the grand scheme of things, like not so important goals, right? Like I want to read more, I want to this and that. Like we're not, we're not talking about like the greater goal of salvation and, 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 and living a life with God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Some of those you just do by yourself. Right? Like, hey, I want to uh, I wanna run more, right? I want to run uh, five miles every week, right? You do that on your own. You got to get up and do the running. But here's what you can do. You can say, hey, I need a running friend. I need somebody who's going to partner with me to keep me accountable because that's what it does. It keeps you accountable, right? But, and I, like I said, I got ahead of myself. Like, if you are somebody who has made a plan or has a goal, made a plan. The plan has gone upside down and these outward forces have messed you up. And like I said, mom and dad, they don't call you anymore. Your brother, you haven't seen him in years. Your sister, they don't talk to you. And, and you're just feeling bad. Look at everyone around you here. Ask for help. 
You don't have to do this on your own because then what do you do? Burnout city. You burn out before you've even finished. You had good intentions. They were, they were great intentions. But then what happened? You tried to do it on your own and it didn't get anywhere. Literally, Jesus himself went around with 12 disciples. Okay? Like, guys, <laughs> please... Listen to what I'm saying. Don't do this by yourself. And I'm also going to watch this back later and try to listen to it myself. Ben, look at all the people around you. Don't do it on your own. It is okay to ask for help. Listen, in other places, that might be true that like at your job, it's awkward to ask for help because people see it as a sign of weakness or a sign of ignorance or whatever, and you're embarrassed to do it. Listen, If someone makes you feel that way here, when you ask for help, tell me. Tell me. And we will have a conversation with that person. I mean that. Because if you ask for help here, and someone makes you feel dumb for asking questions here, hey, we can't have that. We can't. I'm two years into it. I'll say what I need to say now. I'll just Listen, I want you to feel safe here. It is okay to ask for help here. It is okay to lean on the wisdom of others. It's okay not to be the wisest person in the room. And as a church, we need to be here to support one another. That being said, how can we help you if you don't ask for help? As, as, as much as we try to know what's going on and read the room, we miss things. I miss things. But if you tell us, or if you tell someone, well, then we know and we can help. Well, uh, next person I want to talk about is Elijah. Elijah... Ah, this guy. We did a sermon on him, I think, at the beginning of the year. So Elijah is this kind of guy, and he speaks boldly. He had, listen, he had a goal. The government was tyrannical. They needed to do something about it. He had a plan. He knew how he was going to go about it, right? Uh, Think about the story. They're up on Mount Carmel, and, and, and his plan was just to roast everybody, right? Like, oh, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he's on the toilet. Like, it's hilarious, right? That was his plan. He executed it. But then what happened? Things went upside down, right? The queen was crazy, and she wants to now kill him, which granted probably should have been expected, but things went upside down, right? He was by himself at this point, Why? Because, like I said, the queen was crazy. She literally tried to kill every other prophet. So in this case, he was by himself. Burnout city. The fifth thing, the fifth principle of of goal setting for this year in our lives, listen, rest. Right? Rest. This guy was going 100 miles an hour the whole time, and so he gets to this point, burnout city, where he asks God, kill me! Before she kills me. And I love this. It's, this is a funny story. 
Basically, God's response was to send him some food and let him take a nap. And he woke up and was fine after that. Listen, you can just be running yourself into the ground when all you need to do is take a step back and rest. Listen, rest is biblical. Stop letting people tell you it's not. You are a seventh day advocate. You know what the seventh part is? The day of rest. 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 Take a break. Eat a snack. Right? Follow the biblical example. Get a snack. Take a nap. You'll feel better. (laughs) But there's something at play here. Rest. Man. The Sabbath is one of the most theologically dense like topics that you could ever talk about. It was instituted at creation, meaning that before sin, there was a need for it. It's a part of you. It's a part of creation. Listen, you need to rest. Take a break or you will burn yourself out. Listen, I know, I know people who, again, well-intentioned, well-intentioned, have studied the Bible. Now, now, understand what I'm trying to say, church. They have studied themselves into exhaustion. Do you understand what I'm saying? I actually think that it was amazing how Lorraine approached the prayer today. Hey, you talk and you study and you this and you that and you that. When was the last time you listened? When was the last time you rested? There's a whole story in the Bible where the up in the mountain and the thunder comes and the lightning and the, and the earthquake and the fire and God's voice wasn't in that. But then in the still, small voice that you could only hear when you rest, there was the word of God. And there was the encouragement to go on. There was the energy to do something new, to keep going. Without rest, you will not see the end. Listen, Jesus rested. He rested. He, ha- he, he observed the Sabbath. He took time to listen to his Father. I think we should do the same thing. So we've looked at the five people, we've looked at the five principles, have a clear plan, or have a clear goal, have a plan. Hey, pivot when things don't go the way you expected it to, right? Uh, We need to ask help when necessary, and we need to rest. Listen, the goals for our church, right? It's the beginning of the new year. And I was just talking to somebody yesterday, like, what's, what's the goal? And I told them, I don't know. I, and I feel bad about that. But there were a lot of things, again, sometimes the best sermons are the ones you got to preach to yourself. There were a lot of plans that we had last year that whoop, went upside down. And I don't know that we pivoted as best we could. We didn't do a bad job, church. Listen, we were blessed here. Something uh, Miss Weed always says, we are blessed and highly favored, and I think that's absolutely true. I don't know if we pivoted the best way we could on all things. So it left 
Some of us left me wondering, I don't, I don't know how we approach this. And, and, and listen, that conversation yesterday, I, I just, I was pondering it. What is the goal? What is the plan? What is the this and that? And I said, well, you know what? The plan last year wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad plan. I think the plan is the same plan, but we do it better. There's this, uh, there's this idea of excellence, not perfection. I don't think that earthly perfection has any place in the church, but I think excellence is all over the church. I think we need to be a place of excellence. And so what do we do? We look at what we did. Listen, your board, your nominating committee are, listen, we're going we're gonna to be doing all of this. So listen, full transparency is what you get from me. We don't have it fully figured out yet, but there are people who are going to be working this out. And hey, in the spirit of asking for help, we want your help. This is one of the few churches that I've heard of that do like just kind of open board meetings. Why do we do that? Because we want your input. You get a vote. You get a say. We want you to, listen, if you want to come, we want you there. Listen, ministries are going to start creating their calendar here real soon. And when they do, there's going to be room for help. We need your help. Listen, we're going to come up with a plan. And in these, basically, it's the same plan, but we're going to tweak it. We're going to expect some of this stuff that we haven't expected last year. Listen, we were in the middle, and we're still coming out of a pandemic. Nobody knows how to act right now. I mean, we don't, we're figuring it out. This is all new. But the reality is nobody really knows how to act. We've been trying to figure it out for the last two years. But hey, it's 2023. We're going to do it. And we're going to do it well. We're going to do it with excellence. My burden, and this is why I say the old plan is the same plan, my goal has been since I got here and was last year and will be this year, that we need to be a place that is outwardly focused, always outwardly focused. And some people say, oh, but what about us? We've been here for the longest time. That's great. I'm happy for you. But there are a lot of people who have no idea who Jesus is, who have no idea how much he loves him or loves them. We need to be a place that is outwardly focused Always. That's my burden. That it, that's, that, that, that's kind of it. And so what we're going to do, we're going to put the things together to make that happen. In the meantime, I ask that you pray for us. Like I said, there's a couple groups working on this. You got elders, you have the uh, board, and you have nominating committee. And then when the ministries get together, they all plan. There's a bunch of people working to make all of this happen. If you're not plugged into any of those, I beseech you to pray earnestly for us. And I also say, hey, we need your help. Each one of these characters in the Bible that we just looked at and, and, and talked about were each acting and this is key, because sometimes people will say, like, I don't know why nothing is working out for me. Uh, and you counsel them, and you talk to them, and you realize, like, this homie is not living in the will of God. And that might be why, right? Like, <laughs> and we, you know, we talk and we, we coach and we guide. But each one of these characters 
It was acting and living in the will of God. That is the key to their success. Seeking the Lord first in all things, even our personal goals, but especially our spiritual walk with God. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Listen, you can come up with a plan all day, every day. Because in our hearts, a man plans his course, Proverbs 16, 9, but the Lord determines the steps. Listen, everything we do, everything we talk about, your, your clear goal, your plan, how you want to pivot, asking for help, resting, we can do all of that. But if we do not submit to the will of God and allow him to direct us, we'll be fighting against him. And then, you know, what are you doing? You're not going anywhere. And then ultimately, our goal found in uh, Philippians, I want to remind you of the goal that we are always striving for. Outside of eating healthier, outside of reading more, outside of sleeping more, outside of waking up earlier, the big goal that we move towards, Philippians 3, verse 14 I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, whatever your goals are, I submit to you a new one. Maybe it's already been your goal to say, hey, this year again, I choose Christ. Hey, this year again, I choose Christ the good things in life. I choose to meditate on his law day and night. I choose to be a vessel for his will. Listen, I, my goal, my ultimate goal is so that I will see the Lord. He will look me in the eyes, look you in the eyes and say the words that we all want to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Friends, I don't know where you are in all of this, right? All of where, where you are in your goal setting, whatever, but I just, I pray for you. And I hope that you pray for this church, pray for me, pray for my wife. Just, we all should pray, right? <laughs> That's a good thing to do. Listen, wherever you are, just rem- reminding you that with the blessing of God, the goal will be completed no matter how many times you have to pivot, and that you will be okay. It's going to be all right. It might be hard now, but look around you. You've got a bunch of people who are going to hold you up and help you see that goal through. Let's bow our heads. Our most kind of Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this year. We thank you that you have blessed us in a mighty way. God, we thank you that we're still here. And God, we ask that our small goals, reading more, sleeping more, whatever, those things, like, you care about those. And so, God, I I submit the small goals that everybody has here, Lord, that you would help them see it through. And God, the big goal that we would get to heaven, look you in the eyes and hear those beautiful words, well done, my good and faithful servant, Lord, that this controversy that is around us, these external forces. God, I pray for these people here 
that as they experience the disruption, you would use us to remind them, to help them, it's going to be okay. Lord, that you would speak into our hearts and our minds that we would anticipate and know that we'll be okay. God, we love you. We hope to see you very soon. But until then, Lord, use us as you see fit. I pray in your name. Amen.